Welcome to Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 5, Episode 17, Deep Cover. The original air date for this episode was February 26th, 1990. This is the 100th episode of MacGyver. We've recorded 100 MacGyver review podcasts. Wow. And uh, this is where the show went into super syndication and got a significant amount of money. So they're probably really celebrating this one. (laughs) Um, This was directed by Charles Carell, and it was written by Robert Sherman, who had previously written Second Chance and Two Times Trouble, uh, which is why I think this was originally called like Double Cross. Oh, or really? something like that. I'm just assuming that it oh, had okay. something to do with the number two because he had oh, right, a second right, right. chance in two times trouble. So I would have called this Double Cross, but it's called Deep Cover. And that's fine. It's the same, that's fine. same yeah. initials. <laughs> I don't know why that matters. <laughs> why don't we describe this episode in brief? This episode of MacGyver, uh, a new submarine uh, cloaking device, basically. It's like anti-sonar submarine technology has been invented to help uh drug smugglers drug, well, well to not help drug smugglers but it's going to be stolen right to help drug smugglers yes and macgyver's got to get it back well how is it how is it supposed to not help drug smugglers because <laughs> um, it's hiding the police submarines that are yeah. chasing the bad guy submarines yeah, yeah so they so they won't know that seems like a just a dangerous thing to invent yeah it seems like yeah uh well if if the the drug smugglers are already losing you know five or six chips in the span of a couple months then yeah seems like we're doing a great job already why invent technology that would help them escape us plus also you know if you're a boat on the surface of the water and you blast a sonar and you say oh there's a submarine below us you're it's too late the yeah. submarine's below you yeah <laughs> um he's like i mean you could maybe outrun it but it's, you'd have to track it and to track it you'd have to guess the direction it was moving in and continue following it that way and continually run sonar um but yeah so we start this episode with a test of the irma system yep uh a a submarine is moving through the water and we kind of cut back and forth to people at controls and flipping switches and stuff um lead scientist gwen carpenter um is ready to patch up the irma which is the echo regeneration module active terrible acronym yeah it, they just made that the up. word active at the end is just yeah infuriating um i think that they came up with irma first why it's a <laughs> terrible acronym because it's irma there there had to be something better than this it's april o'neill's best friend that's i-r-m-a <laughs> not e-r-m-a isn't this is spelled e-r-m-a yeah, yeah i'm just saying irma what's, what's irma's last name <sighs> pop quiz I don't know. Langenstein. Langenstein? Yeah. Ah. Don't remember She's that. She's great. She was, she was like, totally had a crush on her. Yeah. I don't know, like, Irma and April were like, I remember being a kid and going, this is all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But I remember thinking, like, it's weird that all the Ninja Turtles are attracted to April, and Irma's so much cuter, mm-hmm. and she actually has a crush on Donatello. Yeah. And, like... No, none of them care about Irma? Really? Come on. Irma. Irma's so cute. Anyway, back to the other Irma. Yeah. 
So, um, but now we see also that the submarine is actually a model. Right. <laughs> it's only a model. So the Irma doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a DEA agent, uh, Dan Stringer, shows up. Oddly enough, he's back in business yeah. trying to undermine Pete. <laughs> yep. I'm surprised this whole thing didn't just go off terribly so yeah. that he could frame Pete for screwing it up. <laughs> this is uh, Weber from Early Retirement. Yeah. Uh, Dan uh, Stringer's played by Madison Mason. Uh, you may remember him, but that's yesterday's newspaper. <laughs> right. Uh, in right. today's newspaper. Yeah. So the DEA wants to use the sub uh, with the sonar to hide from the sonar from enemy subs. Basically. So I don't understand why this is being so focused on drugs and not military. Yeah. Like, wouldn't it be great if the military subs... Had a cloaking device that protected them from sonar? Yeah. That'd be pretty awesome. No, we're using it for drugs. Yeah. Again, this is the Phoenix Foundation that's developing it, so I guess they get to choose who uses it for what. Yeah. Uh, but Dan Stringer works for the DEA, DEA uh, and uh, and they run the test, and it seems to work on the models. Right. It doesn't. They haven't yet done a full open water test yet, but that's the next step. And uh, Stringer is in charge of basically setting up ships with sonar and bringing in a, a military sub. To run the test. Right. Uh, now we cut to... Yeah, we cut to a submarine manufacturer. Yeah. Uh, who is just walking drug dealers through his... His inventory. Showroom floor. Yeah. And just telling them how much coke they can fit in each of these submarines. Uh, especially since they are uh, drone submarines. Yeah. This can't be a legitimate business. Like, they're, they're, they're acting as though... Oh, this is just a thing that we sell, but you guys could use it for drugs. And it's like... No one else would need this. Only drug dealers would need a drone yeah. submarine. Yeah. I mean, we're not we're not frigging James Cameron going down to the explore the Titanic or anything. Yeah. Um and a lot of these submarines are the kind that you lay down in. Like you have to like lay down head first looking like it's like that freaks me out, man. Yeah. But like, these ones don't even have room for a person cuz like you said they're drones. So yeah. the point is that they they can hold even more cocaine. Yeah. 200 pounds more. Eventually we'll all be Google sub droning our coke around. Yeah, even I can't, down I can't the wait for that. Yeah, street shark style. It's gonna be so much more convenient when my my coke sub can drive itself. Uh, so yeah, Landis is showing Mr. Sanchez, uh, his inventory, and basically Landis is saying, I can also equip this uh, sub with uh, sonar cloaking device. Right. Device. Uh, but Sanchez doesn't believe such technology exists, and he wants proof. He wants yeah. a demonstration. Uh, uh, so uh, in the we, we got a lot of characters in this episode. So we have so we have Nick Landis, who's the submarine salesman, right? And Joe Banneker, who works for Landis, as well as a man named Donnelly, who's just kind of in the background yeah. for this part. He's played by Bill Croft, who is the guy that played Max in the Odd Triple. Yeah. So. Uh, uh, Pete confirms that there is a Navy demonstration set up by from Dan Stringer. Immediately, we're s- supposed to suspect Stringer. Right. Because Landis Because says, he's been a bad guy before. Yeah, he's been a bad guy before. And as soon as Landis says, we'll, we'll prepare a demonstration for you tomorrow, Pete says, all right, Stringer, confirmed for demonstration tomorrow. It's like, oh, man, this guy, he's, he's in on it again. Yeah. Pete, why do you keep letting your guard down? Uh, as a... They pack up for the night. Gwen heads out on a date. And who is she dating? Mr. Landis. Right. Uh, And she's basically telling him 
everything. Yeah. Like, I mean... Oh, man, this new Irma thing is going to be so great. Submarines won't be able to be detected. I know you work in submarines, so you must be fascinated by this. Um, she also brings up her dead husband, which I thought was a real mood killer. Yeah. But, uh, I, I'd be concerned for Landis if he wasn't in this for the Irma, not yeah. for her. Uh, so he's a jerk anyway. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, the next day, like, the Irma is being packed up and being ready to send out to the test sub. Yeah. Uh, and we just see basically Donnelly aiming a gun and blow out the tires, and it's just immediately cut. We never see the robbery. Yeah. Um, uh, basically, everyone just kind of gets together, and and Pete tells them that the Irma's just been stolen. Right. It's it's very anticlimactic for the at least for the scene. Yeah, it's it like, could have been a, a cooler heist. Scene. Yeah, um, but we're just kind of told that the heist occurred successfully. Yeah. And we don't get to see it. So Landis is eagerly awaiting the arrival of the Irma unit, but only uh, uh, Dan Donnelly shows up. Banneker apparently got got arrested. Nabbed. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, Stringer comes in with Pete to Pete with uh, the file on Banneker, one of the, you know, and uh, says that not only is he guilty of stealing the Irma, but he's also a professional hacker. Yeah. And Pete tells Stringer that in order to use the Irma, you have to get past two levels of security. One, you need an operations disk to make it work, but then there's a password that you would need to crack. Right. So. Uh, Mac decides that they'll need a replacement hacker, and who better to be the replacement hacker than our good friend Dexter Fillmore? We get his last name in this episode. He's Dexter Douglas, nerd computer race. <laughs> That's Freakazoid. Yeah, I was waiting. I'm like, are you gonna I'll say just it? say it. Oh, if you're going to say it, I'll say it. Freakazoo. Uh, Freakazoo. Uh, so we cut to Banneker in the holding cell where MacGyver is dress- once again dresses Dexter is thrown in and he's doing his like really loud complainy uh dexter voice i don't want to be in here guys oh what am i doing oh i gotta get out of here um and uh and uh immediately banneker luckily happens to have today's newspaper right um (laughs) (laughs) that has an article about dexter fillmore being arrested and uh so banneker hey are you this hacker and yeah, so they, they have like their kind of like buddy buddy moment because Dexter realizes that Banneker is also a hacker and then remembers him from this big heist uh, in Switzerland. Right. Uh, so Banneker is like. This oh, reminds me of that scene in Office Space where he's like, that sounds familiar. Yeah, a bunch of. Is, yeah, they did it in Superman 3. Also, a bunch of hackers tried it and got arrested. Uh, Landis is trying to figure out his next move. Um, and he realizes that he needs Gwen, so he tells her to come down to the factory. Because uh, Gwen has apparently been like desperately trying to call him. Yeah. Because she's already suspicious that he might be involved. Right. Because he was the only other person who knew that the Irma was being shipped out. Right. Um, and, and the actress playing Gwen here, by the way, is Rosemary Dunsmore. Who yeah. I, I have not watched any of it, but apparently she plays Professor Susan Duncan on Orphan Black. Yeah, I haven't watched. I have. I have like the first season. I haven't watched it yet. I need to sit down and watch it. I hear it's yeah. really good. But I always. I knew her as from Total Recall. 
Oh, okay. Um, she is the scientist who's putting Arnold in the machine at uh, recall. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, so she's, oh, you're slipping away for a little hanky-panky. Um, <laughs> I love all her scenes because she's so great. She's one of my favorite moments of that part. It's like, it's like you, because uh, the guy who runs the company is like, he's just acting out the secret agent portion of his memory. He's like, well, I'm not, that's not possible. Why? Because I haven't implanted it yet. <laughs> And she slaps her assistant. Yeah. <laughs> She's so great in those scenes. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so, but she's already suspect of Landis being involved. Yeah. Uh, but she just wants, she does, she's trying to follow her heart on this. So uh, Dexter and Banneker make a deal that Banneker's lawyer will get him out if he agrees to do the job that he was hired to do. Right. Uh, so now Gwen arrives at the factory and sees that. Indeed, Landis has stole the army unit. Yeah. But he's trying to convince her that he's being used. Yeah. And that he initially was part of the theft, but now he fell in love with her. Yeah, he's turning it into like a she's all that situation. Yeah, like, yeah. No, no, no. It started as a, as a kooky bet between me and these drug dealers. Mm-hmm. But now I really love you. And she's still willing to believe him yeah. because she's... She thinks he's being forced to do this at gunpoint yeah. against his will. Uh. And so if, if she really loves him, she'll help him. Or else these people will kill him. Yeah. Uh, so Stringer reports to Pete that Gwen just came to the Irma Research Lab and took the operations disc. Right. Security saw her take the operation disc and leave the compound and did not stop her. Right. They just and rep- it's, it's a CD case that they have a, a three-and-a-half-inch uh, floppy, floppy, floppy disc in. Um, yeah, they noticed that she took it and left the, the compound with it, but for some reason they didn't report it Yeah. until they were asked. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, we, oh, we, yeah, we, she, we watched the factory, we watched it tip over, and we watched it collapse. Yeah. So, um, Dexter is brought to Landis, and they immediately get to work, um, and, uh, in the meantime, Stringer and Pete are trying to get an idea of maybe where Gwen went with the disc. Right. So they're searching her apartment. Uh... And uh, Gwen catches, as she arrives with the disc, she, she, she catches Landis being super chummy with uh, Donnelly. The bad guys, yeah. And she's like, wait a minute, you're not doing this by force? Yeah. Um, and then she spots Dexter, and she accidentally lets it slip that it's MacGyver. Yeah, she's like, MacGyver? And he's like, wait, MacGyver, your friend from the Phoenix Foundation? This mm-hmm. is him? And she's like, no, 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 I oh, thought... I, mean, it was like, I think the lady made a mistake. I think you both made a mistake. And now they're both like in trouble. So we didn't get as much Dexter action as we would have liked. Yeah. Uh, he should have just stayed in character for the rest of the episode. Yeah, I, I did like his explanation on of like what if the password was a word. It's like, well, mostly words in English language are on average about five letters, 26 characters. Uh, no, it was 12 letters, like maximum of 12 letters. Yeah. So Dexter kind of casually explains how long it would take to run through all the permutations of how many different possible yeah. word combinations there would be. But he's also assuming that the password is one word. Yeah. But I mean, he says, like, yeah. oh, the average word in the English language is this many letters times 26, or to the 26th power yeah. based on all the different letters. That leaves um, five quadrillion or whatever. Yeah, yeah. he says it would, it, would take, it would take like six months. Yeah, a couple months. To, to run through them all. And he's like, the test is tomorrow. I was like, I know shortcuts. He's like, yeah. I'll, yeah. He's like, he says, I'll double your, I'll double your money. Yeah. Uh, I know some shortcuts. Uh, and uh, so now... Let me With, just try admin, admin. Oh, I'm in. Yeah, there it is. 
I saw her enter it in. It's asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. <laughs> I can't remember if it was three or four, but it's going to take us at least two minutes to try both. <laughs> uh, so uh, Pete and Stringer are kind of getting closer. They find a they find a good lead that would lead them to Nick. Yeah. Because they find like a lot of love letters written written uh, from Gwen to Nick and Nick to Gwen. Yeah. Uh, so. Pete is going to go check out uh, the submarine dealership where he works, and Stringer's going to go and look, uh, check out Nick's apartment from where the address was. Yeah, what are the station. chances that this guy working at a at the submarine dealership stole their submarine cloaking device? Hmm, I don't know. It's a stretch. You need proof, Pat. That's how this works. All right. So Landis loads MacGyver into a mini-sub, oddly enough, into a heated water tank. Yeah. Um... I was trying to find out what the purpose of putting a submarine in a heated water tank would be, except to maybe expand the metal to look for leaks. Yeah, because otherwise it would be in ice cold water, so it would contract. Yeah, so for if, use it would be in the ocean. Yeah, um, and I don't know if maybe that was if it was just for the set purposes that they had the water heated. Yeah. Um, uh, because I couldn't find anything about heated water tanks for submarines. I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Um, but listeners, if you know anything about why they might do that, but um, it seemed like maybe it was only just done because MacGyver was, you know, Richard Anderson was going to be in this water. Yeah. And they had to have it heated, and so it was going to be steamy. So they had to explain why. Yeah. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. So uh, they throw MacGyver in the submarine and they start lowering it in, and immediately the submarine starts leaking because it's full of holes. Yeah. These are crappy submarines. Yeah. He, no wonder his business is failing, and he has to switch to drugs. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, Gwen agrees, as long as you don't drown MacGyver, I'll help you. So, with her on board, he decides to drown MacGyver. Yeah. <laughs> as always. Who said these screen doors were a bad idea? Uh, so, uh, MacGyver is looking for his, his escape route, and luckily inside there's a tank of pure oxygen. Right. Which he's used this exact same technique previously when he was locked in the front of a boat that they tried to sink, yeah, and he found an oxygen tank in there. Yeah, but in this one, in that one, he used the oxygen that tank. Pirates? as pirates? Yeah. Yeah. He he. But in that one, he used the oxygen tank as a missile to bust the door. In this one, he's actually filling the void space with oxygen gas, yeah. which he intends to ignite and explode. Yeah. Because uh, for those of you who don't know, oxygen is extremely combustible. Yep. Um, that's why fire doesn't go out yeah. <laughs> when it's in oxygen. And that's why they use liquid oxygen to launch rockets. Yeah. Uh, so Pete arrives at the, uh, at the site and just starts looking around. Meanwhile, MacGyver has rigged a flare gun on a string to ignite the oxygen. But, of course, there's a moment where it comes loose. So MacGyver is forced to come up and fix it. But he takes a big gulp of air when he comes up. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, that's probably not good for you yeah because as we know from fight club inhaling pure, pure oxygen yeah it, it getting, calm as hindu cows <laughs> getting too much oxygen in your system can make you euphoric dizzy and can lead to lack of consciousness yeah um and uh so i was like oh god i hope he doesn't pass out but i think it was really quick but yeah still it's all oxygen it's an all oxygen environment did you hear that oxygen bar down the street finally closed? Oh, really? They were out of their element. 
Get out. <laughs> well, I live here. <laughs> oh, man. So he ignites the, the oxygen and the top yeah, of the submarine. Yeah, Pete's like stupidly just wandering around in the parking lot. Yeah, like, until he's I wonder where MacGyver's dying. <laughs> and then Kaboom. finally the building next to him just erupts and MacGyver comes popping out of the top of it. And MacGyver, what are you doing in there? The backstroke, Pete. <laughs> Which I think we made that joke here for a recent episode. It's something about, what is this doing in my soup, the backstroke? I don't remember <laughs> what it was. Oh, the gun. The gun that uh, MacGyver throws in when he's rescuing Mei Chan. <laughs> yeah, what is this gun doing in my soup, the backstroke? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Pete and uh, MacGyver are now searching Landis's lab. Luckily, he's very meticulous with his crime activity schedule and wrote down everything on a calendar. Not only the time, but the location of where everything is going down. Right. Remember, if you ever want to run a criminal empire, it's important to keep solid records of everything you do. Yeah. It's like that GPS that had all the drug dealing locations in... Uh, what, what was that? Was that in... Oh, it was in uh, Fast Five. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When, where they find that guy's GPS and it has every single dealer's address in it because he saves them all. It's like, yeah. I don't even save the addresses in my GPS. So, um, on board uh, Landis's boat, uh, Gwen and sit, Landis sits Gwen down with Sanchez to have him talk about the device. Yeah. So, Gwen is just playing up the fact that the machine doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, it works. It works. Almost all Almost of all. the times that we've tried it. We've never tried uh, it in open water. Or I mean, anywhere below 100 feet yeah, in the water. There's, there's still a lot of bugs to work out is what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, and he's like standing outside the window like watching or screw it up like, stuff it. Um, uh, Max sneaks on board the boat and uh, he gives Gwen like a signal that he's on board just so she can be ready for whatever happens. Right. I love what Mac does here is that he grabs an inflatable life raft and just walks in on the conversations like, hey, guys, uh, Landis wanted you to check this out. And, and just, he just pulls the, he pulls the yeah. cord on it and it just starts self-inflating and just smashes everybody against the yeah. walls. But luckily he gets uh, Gwen out. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and then he, like, they're hiding from another crewman, which he throws a life vest on so his arms are stuck and then just punches him out. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Gwen has snuck off. Uh, to take out Landis herself. Yeah. She, she wants vengeance. But my favorite part about this whole scene is the reason that they haven't left the pier yet is that Donnelly is super strict about nautical uh, uh, courtesy uh, for the boat lanes. Yeah, he's like, oh, the, the, there's a lot of traffic out there. We have to wait for these <laughs> we have to wait to for get all the traffic. It's like, he won't interfere. With, and he says, better let the engines warm up first. Yeah. Like, he's, he's so, like, perfectionist in his work. Um, so as they start to pull out, Mac tosses a, a rope around one of the moorings, which I think one of the moorings probably would have given. Yeah, the way it was pulling on this thing, it yeah. would have just torn it off. I mean, these moorings are really mo meant to hold the boat in place. Keep it from floating away, not yeah. moving away under the power of an engine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so as he comes back out, uh, Donnelly comes out to check out with the rope that's holding him down. Who is Crocker in this episode? Crocker, I think, must be one of the other uh, henchmen. Henchmen, because there's the guy that he knocks out on the boat, and there's also a guy who's operating a crane, and they call the crane operator by name. Okay. 
Um, and obviously the crane operator has no problem killing a man. Yeah. Uh, so because that guy is played by uh, Scott J. Atia, who was uh, Mr. Greggs in Halloween Nights. Oh, okay. But it's such a small character in this yeah, episode. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So MacGyver slips a, a winch hook onto the back of Donnelly's belt and yeah. then winches him up, um, uh, much like a uh, uh, wish child. Yeah. Where he winches up a guy. Um, He's just hanging stupidly from the sky. Doesn't yeah. say anything to James Hong about what's going on. Uh, so Landis just immediately starts opening fire at MacGyver. And MacGyver is like cringing and hiding from these bullets that are just barely missing him. Yeah. Uh, until Gwen manages to sneak up on him with a pipe. Yeah. Hits him, probably killing him with the impact. But yeah. then he still falls down onto the boat deck. Yeah. Pretty sure he's dead. Yep. She killed a man. Well, that's what he gets. Yep. Uh, Turns out she is all that. Yep. And the uh, the Act 5 roundup for this episode is uh, Pete and MacGyver are waiting for Stringer uh, at his office, and he's come to let them know that not only has the Irma system successfully worked, but uh, they've it's already been made stolen their first stolen again. <laughs> oh, no. They, they made their first catch. However, Gwen, Gwen is fired. Like, that, that right, was like yeah. a big thing. Like, she's fired. Um, she's won't be. She won't. She's not going to be brought up on charges because of the situation, but she's no longer working for the Phoenix Foundation. She's been yeah. fired, and they just kind of say, "Well, she'll be all right." Yeah. It's like there's not even a. She's not even here at this moment yeah. for the success of her machine, and even though Stringer says, "Well, I'll make sure she'll get full credit for the development of this technology," it's like, it's like why what is, is the relevance of that credit if yeah, she can't work here anymore? Yeah, and why isn't she here for this moment, even though you know? Because she lost her clearance. I guess. Uh, she knows what it was being used for. <laughs> yeah. Just because just because you lose your clearance, you don't lose information that you already obtained. Yeah, what if she gets real mad and then yeah. turns on the company, develops Irma software for the exactly. bad guys? Like, I, mean, you, you, I mean, she's engaged to one of them already. <laughs> you, you have a person who developed this technology. What's to keep her from developing it again? Yeah. Uh, did she sign a non-disclosure or did she sign over the rights or something? And what is the relevance of that? <laughs> if she signed a non-disclosure, it's like, well, what are you going to do? Fire me? Yeah. Well, that's why they did fire her, because she told everybody. Yeah. Uh, Have I told you I've been developing this top secret Russian, uh, like this thing? cloaking device for submarines? It's really great. Everyone wants it. <laughs> I'm not allowed to talk about what I do, and it's like dumb movies that <laughs> yeah. nobody's going to see, and this lady's just telling everybody about her cloaking device. Yep. Unacceptable. That's this why a, she's fired. Yeah. This is an okay episode. Yeah, it's okay. I I, um, I, I know we ran through it kind of fast, but um, it, it moves pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a lot of characters. There's a lot, a lot going on. A lot of short on. scenes. Yeah. It, it just, it's just like, now we got to do this. Now we got to do that. Pete, you know, Pete and Stringer are checking out the apartment. MacGyver's pretending to be Dexter. Gwen's getting a disc. Then Now they're all together. Now they're on a boat. Yeah, now they're a lot heading of characters this way. to keep track of. Yeah. Um, but it all moves. It, it, the, the episode never gets down. Yeah. There's no downtime in this episode. I think the only downtime is the romantic scene between Gwen and Landis. Yeah. Um, that's the only time. That... And waiting for the boats to clear the way. <laughs> yeah, and waiting for that damn boat traffic to clear. Yeah. How do you how do you reserve the right of way? How do you let, indicate that you're next in this queue? I have no queue? idea. Um, I don't think there are boat control towers. Uh yeah. Uh, but there are harbor masters, so maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, this guy is like a legit nautical, though. I'm just yeah. saying. 
but yeah, uh, you know, it's it, it reminds me a lot of like other like technological stuff that the Phoenix Foundation things like the Kill Zone and uh, uh, Fraternity of Thieves, Fraternity of Thieves, and um, the the Human Factor. Yeah, Just it's like, a lot like Fraternity of Thieves because it's technology that's supposed to be used for surveillance and someone who was very close to a member of the team keeping it secure accidentally released it to the bad guys. Pete didn't get fired. Yeah. That's true. Why didn't Pete get in trouble for that? If she's getting fired for her fiancé stealing it, then why isn't Pete fired for his son stealing it? His son stealing it. That's that's sexism in the workplace for you. Yep. Also, Pete would be in charge of firing himself. <laughs> he has to step down. We've he's covered this before. Some, somewhere in his contract, he yep. says he's unfireable. <laughs> Weber, Weber has to take over. Yeah. Right. I think that's about it for this one. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, if you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be reviewing Season 5, Episode 18, The Lost Amadeus. Amadeus, Amadeus. a weird, weird episode. It's weird, but I like it, and so I can't wait to talk about it. All right. Here we go. Thank you for listening. Thanks.